Hey everyone, this is Tim from Anything Goes, and I just wanted to put this in here just as a little <clears throat> editorial, or editor's note, I should say. Um, the reason why I'm putting this in here is because a little after four minutes into the the podcast, there will be a little bit of a static uh, sound that comes in. This happened before during um, Sebastian and I's first podcast for Wizards of Oz, which we are going to get up to get around to redoing, I promise you. But... There's and it's prevalent throughout the rest of the podcast until the very end, and I did not realize it. I had my headphones in yet; I still didn't hear it. I could hear Dakota and I having the conversation, but not the actual static coming from the recording. Um, I have gotten a external recorder since, and this problem should not come up anymore since I'm not recording strange to the computer unless all else fails. So I'm putting this in here just as a warning to let you know, like. I know the sound, the sound may be annoying, and, but Dakota and I feel like there's so much genuine feelings or, or like there's so much uh, creativity and, and description of how our feelings towards this movie is and the James Bond franchise overall that it would be kind of hard to replicate. So if you can't take it and you don't want to listen to it after four minutes in, that's all up to you. I'm just putting this in here as a heads up. And Tim for the past, take it away. Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture podcast broadcasting from Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney. Sorry that it's been a few weeks since the last episode of Anything Goes to go up. The last episode you've heard is the Halloween commentary that I did with my friend Mike, available on SoundCloud, which was released on October 31st, 2015. Now, with the recent release of James Bond Spectre, my friend, who I'm sitting with today, and I decided to do a review of the movie Skyfall. If you're looking at the title of the podcast, you know it's that. Who am I speaking to today? Dakota Wiegand. Hi, Dakota. Hi, Tim. Sorry that if I'm yelling a little bit is because we have only one microphone because the original recorder that, that the past few weeks I've been using has was A, not mine, and it's gone belly up to begin with. But I bought a new recorder. It should be here within the few days. So the audio quality will go back to being like those episodes in just a little time. So bear with us. And let's take a trip back to the 50th anniversary of James Bond. into the movie itself, I think we should do a little history about us with the James Bond franchise. Now, when did you become a fan of James Bond in the first place? Oh, I was a little kid. Okay. Um, my dad, I believe, rented Dr. No on... Do you know for sure? It was either Dr. It was a Sean Connery movie. Mm -hmm. Dr. No or uh, From Russia With Love. Okay. And uh, we watched that on DVD. Right yeah. when it first came out, this was like 2001, 2002. Okay. Uh, so I was in sixth grade. Mm -hmm. So that was my first one. I really got into it. And then I became a fan of Roger Moore and then quickly grew well out of Roger Moore. Ooh, yes. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, just love the series ever since. I remember um, my cousin Terrence 
was being into James Bond, still is big into James Bond, and I remember his dad, my uh, my uncle does, he ended up uh, getting him um, the VHS box set of the movies up until that time. Oh, wow. Yeah, and <clears throat> and then replaced it with DVDs when they finally came out. I don't know if he's bought the Blu-ray set, but him being into it, and then also uh, our granddad being a fan of cinema in general, just fueled our passion for it. So how many conversations we've had about James Bond, <laughs> even before you and I were friends, like when I was a little kid just talking about James Bond. And that's one of those subjects, when we first became friends, like James Bond would come up and that just spewed on for hours of our dissection of the franchise in itself. Right. And now, before Skyfall, there was two other Daniel Craig movies that came out. Yes. Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. Right. Now, after Dying Another Day in 2002, that's Pierce, Pierce Brosnan's last uh, James Bond movie, the series kind of went quiet for a while after that 40th anniversary, realizing we may have screwed up a little bit. Yes. Which prompted them to immediately fire Pierce Bronson. And yes, start maybe I shouldn't be working here. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, they started looking to revamp the series somehow. Because the Born Identity came out the same year. And destroyed it. Yeah, no, and it's like one of those things that like, if you could point to a movie that changed the genre, like it's like one of those tentpole movies, like Born Identity did change the spy genre irrevocably afterwards. Yeah. And which I know you're a fan of as well. I love I love the trilogy, never seen the legacy, kind of don't want to. We may end up reviewing the Bourne movies, up, building up to the, the most, the next one that's coming out that Matt Damon is doing. Yes. So, Tommy Lee Jones, by the way. Well, because Tommy Lee Jones is just fantastic and everything. He, he's he in. What? Except, like, you could argue maybe Batman Forever is not a really good performance from him, but... It was a paycheck movie. Totally. He just won the Oscar, so of course yeah. he was totally doing the paycheck movie. He needed to redo his bathroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to play baseball in my bathroom right now. <laughs> well, I got to put on this purple makeup? Okay, I'll go do it just for that paycheck. Uh, I'll put where the makeup in the outhouse, doghouse, and flophouse, where I'll be for this next movie. Now, 2006, James Bond comes back with Daniel Craig, the first blonde Bond. And he can't swim, by the way. He can't swim? No, that was one of the big issues when they did the re- uh, reveal of him on uh, the in London. He came in on like one of those black speedboats. With a, with a life jacket on, right? Yeah, and he was also tethered to the boat because he can't swim. Well, I know that the... They wouldn't let him on the boat without the life jacket. Right. That, that's like that's one of the rules anyway, especially with with the how much insurance they would probably have to get for him to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the uh, the Brockley family, the Wilsons, like the ones who run Eon. Mm-hmm. But really, he can't, he can't swim? swim, and he suffers from vertigo. So when he was in um, Casino Royale, when he did all that, like in the opening chase scene, all the all the all the uh, the scaffolding and stuff, right. He, they were really worried about him because he would just go kind of like off balance. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's like maybe that's something like you kind of bring up in the your uh, casting process, like maybe or maybe we'll highlight that well, before that you whole just... scene. Most of the scenes were actually done six feet off the ground. Yeah, it's like forced perspective to make it look as well as yeah. CGI extensions. Yes, but he did still like he did most of his own stuff. And Casino Royale comes out and. Knocks it out of the park, mm-hmm. and I don't believe, I don't think I saw it in theaters. Dino the Day was the first one I saw in theaters. That's the first James Bond movie I saw in theaters. Right. I don't think I saw that, nor it's in Casino Royale, 
in my top five Bond movies. It's still my favorite Daniel Craig Bond. I agree. And it was followed up after with Quantum of Solace. Right, which I did see Quantum of Solace in the theater. Well, how was that experience? I left not... Well, in the theater, I guess, because I didn't like the movie. Right. So I left kind of... In the theater, it didn't help. Okay. It, like, not even, like, the loud sound of the movie itself. No, because it was so, like, the pacing and also just the action-driven. It's like, oh, my God, this is annoying. I remember the first time I watched it, I was up at school, and I had ordered food with uh, our friend Justin, and, like, it took, like, forever to get there and stuff like that, and I was, like... Pretty, like, I hadn't eaten anything all day, so I was kind of, like, already feeling a little woozy. And then the action the action set pieces of that that movie just made my headache even worse. And I'm like, oh, this is not helping. Where's my food? Why is that spinning? <laughs> and I'm just like, why is this going that that guy's not a, ter- not a great villain? Yada, no. yada, yada. Yeah, that was... Yeah. I mean, Casino Royale uh was so story driven mm-hmm. and not so much action driven. Meanwhile Quantum was the complete opposite where it was action driven, not story driven. But it's one of the things that was highlighted that it was written during the writer's strike. Mm-hmm. And so they were and plus so like whenever there's time in between movies Right. They usually work on that's why I think GoldenEye is as strong as it is, because there's six years in between or six or seven years no six years because it came out License to Kill came out in eighty nine. Right. So there's six years to punch up that script for Pierce Brosnan. You compare that to Tomorrow Never Dies, which was immediately rushed into production. Yeah. Even though I do enjoy Tomorrow Never Dies, and I, I don't mind it. Tomorrow Never Dies was in Hong Kong? or was Yes. It, okay, yeah. It's sad. That you have to, it's, it's, it's a sad thing on the movie's part that you have to... You have to well, with Pierce Brosnan, after GoldenEye, they all blur together. That's what, And that's his words as well. Yeah. Yes, I remember GoldenEye. I don't remember the rest. <laughs> I'm just going to be a dick towards my old bosses, which there's a theory in there coming to Skyfall that we'll get to Skyfall in a moment. So Quantum Solace does decent money. Does it, it, it makes his money back and everything like that, mm-hmm. but doesn't critically as well as the fans are concerned, not as good as Casino Royale. Yeah. So a few they the Eons like all right, the 50th anniversary is coming up. Let's wait. Let's sit on it until the next one comes out. Skyfall was released to almost unanimous praise. Did gray the box office. Right. Now, for those who are listening right now, let's do a brief synopsis on the movie itself. Okay, so James Bond starts off James Bond just, you know, <laughs> here it goes. I was in a Chevy and I changed lanes without signaling a change lane that I did as a low speeding. Plus, I have one paid parking tickets. <laughs> like, woo! Please be gentle. Okay. So, James Bond is in, uh, what's it? Morocco? Yes. He's in Morocco, and uh, one of the agents who was carrying uh, a file with uh, important information on it gets killed. Bond chases the guy down. However, his new partner in... Partner, which we learned is Money Penny, mm-hmm. uh, shoots him off a train accidentally. Accidentally, because M was like, "Shoot him! Shoot him!" <laughs> and <laughs> he goes, "They think he's dead." Um, Cue Adele song. That's Cue not hello. <laughs> a couple years later, someone is now posting the three identity. months later. Three months later. Three sorry. months later is posting uh, the identities of all the MI6 agents that are linked in terror groups. The undercover terror groups. MI6 gets blown up. James Bond comes back from the dead. 
And then the plot goes, okay, find the guy who's doing all this stuff so we can get the files back and to protect the identities of all these uh, MI6 agents. He goes, finds the guy, reveals that the guy was also an old MI6 agent that M decided to let die. Yeah. So the guy, he was abandoned. He was abandoned, which is now driving the whole story where he wants to kill M because he's been abandoned. Yes. And so if you take the plot from Mission Impossible 1 with the knock list of all the names of the secret agents undercover, you take Goldeneye where it's a former MI6 agent begrudging against his former employees, and you take a little bit of Home Alone and you throw it at the end when they're setting up traps to defend themselves in James Bond's old house, you get Skyfall. Okay. I do love it. I do like the movie. I liked the movie until you started doing this to me. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, wow. Uh, no, but I, I have to ruin. I, I have to credit uh, honest trailers because they took the the Home Alone music when Kevin's getting ready and put on the footage <laughs> of M and everybody uh, prepping the house, and that was an awesome scene, though. Oh no, it, it totally broke the mold of what the usual third act is of a James Bond movie, which yeah. I, and I can't and I give him an A for effort with that. Mm-hmm. Now, did you see this in theaters? This no, really. Huh. I remember it was the first time in a while. I remember I saw it in theaters. I went, I think, yeah, I went by myself because I'm, I'm a sad, lonely person like that sometimes. And <clears throat> fit like movie ends, 50th anniversary logo comes up, James Bond return, standing applause from everybody. I'm leaving the theater. And I look to my right, and there's people lined up against the wall next to the theater. I'm like, I see neighbors of mine down, a few people down. I'm like, hey, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're waiting to see Skyfall. And I'm like, Really? And this is like a little over a week since it's been out. Mm-hmm. And people still lined up to see it. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, whoa. Okay, I haven't seen anything like this. And this is like, this is around the time Dark Knight Rises. So like, alright, this is a big deal right yes. now. Everybody's really pumped to see it. Now, what is your knee-jerk reactions to this movie? How do you feel when you, after you first saw it? When I first saw it, I yes. thought it was... Possibly one of the best Bond movies they've ever made. Yes, and I will put it in the top ten. Maybe not top five, but I'll put it in the top ten. Okay, yes. I put it in my top five. Right. But, it, yeah, it's in my top five. But that my first thing was I would put it as a number two spot. My knee-jerk reaction to after seeing it the first time. Right. Behind? From Russia with Love. From Behind From Russia with Love. Okay. What about you? Um... Once I first saw it, I'm like, I really, really enjoyed it. And now, since I like, I'll, I do like movies shot on film, and I do like things shot on digital, and Roger Deakins, who is a 10-time Oscar nominated for Best Cinematography, not won any yet, Academy, please just give him an Oscar so he at least have that. Don't give him an honorary one, because like, hey, we love you, but we weren't, didn't think you were good enough these 10 times. He photographed it, like, you know Roger Deakins from, like, most of the Coen Brothers movies from, like, Barton Fink onward, uh, the assassination of Josie, uh, the assassination of uh, Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, Shawshank Redemption, and a myriad of others. Mm-hmm. And this is one, I think this is, like, the second feature he shot on Ares Alexa, which is now the high-end cinema camera, and now TV camera, because... You look at IMDb, how many shows are shot on the Alexa, it's just 
it's huge. It's become this, the standard. But with him having that, that tool there, my eye couldn't tell the difference right. between and film and digital. And that's when I... It was a turning point, me in the theater, from the very first shot, and when, like, James Bond comes out in the background, out of focus, and he had that music cue, like, Da-dum! and he slowly walks towards camera into the foreground, coming into focus, and he has that eye light of just lighting him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... Oh, this is going to be a very pretty picture, isn't it? Yeah. And it goes on to be, and I especially love the, oh, when he's in, what was it, Beijing? Uh, yes. And when he's going in on the boat and had all the vibrant colors, mm-hmm. and even like the cold colors near the end of these, um, at Skyfall itself. Yeah. Now, but, staying, go on. But your knee-jerk reaction, I remember talking to you about this after the movie came out, and your initial criticisms are actually more negative about the movie yeah because i had kind of i I realized something about myself as of late fans really ruin things for me right if somebody talks something up to me my initial reaction is like i don't want anything to be part of that it's my it's the one hipster isms that i have about myself but you gotta see this i'm not gonna see it let me discover it on my own that's why i eventually came around with to like you know like it's not too bad like currently people Tim is on an anti-Deadpool rant right now. I'm, it's that's not going to change, <laughs> unless maybe somebody puts a gun in my head and makes me watch the Ryan Reynolds movie in February. And <laughs> it's funny because uh, a friend of mine she interviewed me uh, and it's like, like, is there anything you don't like about the comic book like genre? Like, Fucking Deadpool! Nothing. And I went on a five minute rant and I'm like, I kind of felt bad for her because she just probably just listening on the other side of the Skype call like, uh, uh. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I just had a mental breakdown there. And, and it's, Deadpool itself is like, even the character I don't find that interesting, it's the fans are like, he's funny because he breaks the fourth wall! Yeah! <laughs> and I'm like, that's, that's why whenever I watch like panels at any Comic Con, mm-hmm. I always turn it off when it goes to the Q&A. Uh, yeah. Because I can't stand most people like that because I'm like, most of them are very, like, were you like, Sign me to DC Comics, and cause I, I, I have good stories, and I, I love you, Jim Lee. <laughs> so, fans ruin things for me. Like, okay. like people say, like, watch Game of Thrones. And I'm like, I'm, maybe when it's over, I'll eventually get around to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I'm on that boat too. But no, and I just, yeah, like I know I was negative coming out of it because maybe because it was talked up way before before I saw it. Yeah, well. I remember talking to you about uh, certain things, and like, yes, um, if you really think back towards Skyfall, some of the uh, action scenes, especially when the villain's trying to get to M in London at her speed at her what's that trial or yeah, like she's like before a committee justifying yeah. her actions and trying to defend herself, which I have problems with that even that part of the sequence itself. Yeah, I mean, okay, you can. You're putting other people's lives at risk. Right. Just so you can save face. I think they would understand the fact that, like, sure, it may hurt your case. It may make you look incompetent. But if you have, like, 60 people in there. Do you want their blood in your hands along with MI6 agents? Besides, and you're going to let your pride dictate that? I'm sorry. Well, I mean, it's a very prideful person. Yes. And that could be, that's probably a character flaw that justifies that scene. But I feel like I would have made the decision, like, uh, excuse me, madam, um, there's a terrorist who caused that explosion that I'm being accused of coming here, and he's going to kill me and probably anybody else who gets in the way. 
So, do you want to do this a Tuesday instead? Yeah. Well, I mean, and your biggest thing was the, the exact plot points of how he... Gets away. Gets away. And it's like, yes, that takes a lot of coordination, but my biggest thing was, if you're watching the movie, you're not thinking that. No. But also, at that point, we had seen two big blockbuster movies show the case of the villain being captured at the midpoint of the movie, and it's all part of his plan leading up to the third act. The Joker had done in The Dark Knight, and Loki had already done in Avengers. And so, him being captured halfway through the movie, I'm like, uh... Like, oh, I bet this is part of his plan. Well, okay, you just ruined that part too, for me, too. I never thought about that. I, 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 I don't mean to. <laughs> I, I knew this was going to be a controversial episode to begin with. I knew I didn't want to come out sounding such a negative Nancy, because I do enjoy this movie. Right. It's just, when you stop and think about it, that's when my eyebrows start to raise. Right, but unlike um, Loki and uh, the Joker, we kind of needed that scene to really understand why the hell this guy's doing what he's doing. Oh, yeah. You really needed something to for him to be like, oh, my God, Even I can kind of understand why he's all messed up now. But I think like that exposition could have handled that scene previous. When Bond, with Bond is, is yeah, with there. Bond. There's but, a lot of other tension stuff going on there. Yeah, but I think they want to have Judy Dents and uh, Harvey of Bardem have a scene face-to-face before the climax of the movie. Right. So that's probably maybe just from a screenplay structure's point. That's why they did that. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like... And he, like it was one of those things that, like... What was it that something else that really bothered me right at that moment? I'm like, okay, so you plan for... You have contingencies upon contingencies just in case you're followed. Especially if it's Bond, if you haven't killed him at this point. If you're coming from his perspective planning this. Right. Um, so you, you've you done this for... It's probably years of planning. So just for you to kick in the door and unload your Glock into it, and then you don't... And you realize, huh, maybe I should have thrown a grenade instead. Or maybe I should just... You know, blown up the building. Blown up the building. <laughs> I know it's supposed to be dramatic. It's it's meant for the tension in that movie, but it's just one of those things like, huh, pop, pop, pop. Oh my god, Voldemort with the nose is firing at me, and James Bond is shooting fire signatures. I probably should get out of here. And then you you bounce like like a booty out of there. And oh my god, it is Voldemort with the nose. Yeah, Ray Fiennes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we identified it as he's Voldemort, but with a nose and a tan. <laughs> And people who think of Ray Fine's performance as Voldemort as his evil villain, no, watch Schindler's List. That's all I'm saying. Oh, you just had to go there. What? You're giving him hope, Oscar. That's cruel. <laughs> uh, Schindler's List review coming soon. Oh, God. <laughs> it just be us crying. <laughs> you could have got two more lives. <laughs> And then with the data on Steven Spielberg on his screen. Oh my god! The little kid in the booth trying to hide and he can't hide her. And the girl in the red dress. What does it mean? <laughs> oh man, that that'll be a real turn tear jerker oh of an episode. God, yes. And then I'll I'll do something really inappropriate the next episode following up is a make fun of dead wrestlers or something like that, which I was doing the other night, I'll tell you about it off mic. So <laughs> This isn't the first time my eating habits got me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Griffin eating chips with the Frank family. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Woo! Oh, boy. Ah, is it hot in here or is it just me? Anyway. It's so I'm in the room. Uh, uh, 
that's debatable. Anyway. I rub baby oil, oil on these apps every day. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of dumbfounded at this point. <laughs> so, red Vaseline instead. <laughs> yeah, so... So, let's talk about the characters. Let's talk about the characters before we start breaking down uh, plot beats and stuff like that. Okay. Daniel Craig's performance. What do you feel? How do you feel about it? I think he did well. Yeah, I think it was him firing all cylinders. I think so, too. Nothing to take away from his first two performances in the other movies. I feel like he's, like, like the first movie, he's, like, he's a blunt object. Yes. And, and that's how he plays it. Yeah. Second one, he starts to get finer and, like, starts to realize a few more things, even though that movie is rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. This one, he is silky smooth. Yes. When it comes to the performance of him. I think it was very well directed. Uh, his direction throughout the movie was very well done. And uh, he really got into character for this. Mm-hmm. And so... And then you have Judy Dench, who's... Who gave, like, her best performance as M in any of the movies. Well, it was also the most we ever saw her as M in a single movie. Yeah, I think, like, the, the only other one that probably saw more of her was maybe World's Not Enough. Maybe, yeah. And, like, she was part of that part of that plot as well. Because a lot of the other movies, I think, uh... Casino Royale, we saw her a good amount, too. Yeah. But it, all the other James Bond movies, they played her, like, M in the older movies, where it's like, okay, you have five minutes of screen time, here's your paycheck, thank you very much. Right. And, and since Judy Dench is a fantastic actress, they gave her they gave her a lot to do in this movie, dealing with guilt and what how she is how she fits in to James Bond's life as well as the espionage world at that point. Mm-hmm. And the themes for at least Skyfall and Inspector, both directed by Sam Mendes, so I feel like this is a point he's trying to get across that there's a need for James Bond. Yes. That is, even despite the fact that he may be outdated on paper, mm-hmm. the, the 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 line is like this still needs to be trigger pulled, pulled at least at, at times. Yes, and even Q like makes that remark. I can do more damage in my lap with my laptop in my pajamas in the morning before you pulling a trigger. Right, and so but you need still need that person to do that from time to time within this world, mm-hmm. and. Judy Dent's play is there to like validate that at that point. Like that's what that's what like a lot of the theme of this movie is, is saying that despite how technology goes, you still it still comes down to people fighting people and having a blunt object like Bond is there as as necessity. Well, yeah, I mean obviously drone strikes can happen whenever, but you do need that person that can go in there yeah. stealthily. Pop, pop, walk away. Yeah. I mean, that's something that's brought up even further in Spectre. Right. Which you haven't seen yet. I have not seen Spectre yet. Um, which I think Vicky and I may do an espionage like, uh, podcast near the end of the year. Because we'll talk... Because her and I saw like three of the big four espionage movies this year. Kingsman, mm-hmm. uh, Man from Uncle, and Spectre together. Right. And I saw Mission Impossible with uh, another co-worker. And, oh wow! I didn't realize there was that many espionage movies. Yeah, Man from Uncle was. I mean, the outlier out all of those is Kingsman. Yeah, out of all of them, like most original wise, that goes to that. Yeah, Big Spectacles may go to Mission Impossible. Yes, Love Letters to the Series, Man from Uncle, and I uh, like to espionage the movies and like Henry Cavill. Could, sorry, going off the tangent here, but Henry Cavill, who's playing Superman currently, mm-hmm. he could play James Bond. You think so? Oh God, yeah. Just seeing him, but him doing an American accent, but him in the suit, I'm just like, 
I'm watching, I'm like, I'm falling in love with this guy. What? What? No! No! Oh! Oh! No! No, I'm not gonna do this! No! And just like, since he's British anyway, I could totally see that happening. Anyway. Yeah. Moving uh, on. Moving on. <laughs> back uh, to this. Back to this. Skyfall. Skyfall. Uh, Money Penny. Feelings. <sighs> tread, tread softly here. I liked her as a character up until they revealed that she was Money Penny. And then I was pissed off. Why? Because it's like... She was in the field. She was sassy. She was actually smart. Yeah, the opening, she was a little, like, riled. But in general, she helped him bond out a lot in the field and everything like that. And at the very end, she just says, you know what? I'm just going to take a desk job and be sassy. It's like, what? What was all that character build up then? Well, this is the rebooted storyline. This is the rebooted... Yeah, but if you're going to have a money money penny, make... Don't just slap her in, a, in front of a desk. What do you mean? Like, what, like... She was... She got Bond... I mean, obviously, she shot Bond. But then she also redeemed herself for that mistake throughout the movie. Right. She helped him get in and out of that casino. Mm-hmm. She was there to, you know, relate intel and all that other stuff throughout the movie. And then at the very end, she's like, I'm just going to sit at this desk and flirt with you whenever you come into this office. No! <laughs> no? No! <laughs> you No! It is also kind of hard to believe that her name was never mentioned throughout the entire time they were together. Like, what if you had to get her attention? Like, you! Oh! 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 I don't know your name. Woman! <laughs> and half the, half the bar turns around like, no, 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 not you! The one in the dress! Cock teaser, come here. <laughs> <laughs> and then she gets, then he gets punched from for the uh, sexist comments. Well, no, I mean, come on, I mean, when she was shaving him with the oh yeah, that, I mean, that that's a- that's like the money penny flirtation to the nth degree. That was so erotic and great. And yes, I, but it, but it's not it, but it's not as bad as wearing virtual reality glasses and like making out with like air. We're gonna it's, pretend that movie doesn't exist. John Cleese likes to pretend it doesn't exist. It was a paycheck along with me and Harry Potter. <laughs> but, so then we get to Javier Bardem, Mr. Silva, mm-hmm. and that he's a former MI6 agent who's big, who has a big grudge with M and how, like we said before, abandoned in a mission. And he, he had had a cyanide pill hidden in, in one of his teeth, cracked it, in the attempt to kill himself, but it didn't work. It just burned the inside of his face and throat. So much so that he has to have dentures to keep his face together. Yeah. Which is creepy. That that scene made me go, oh! Have you seen cyanide due to a fake? <laughs> Another thing about Oz trailers, when they always see the fake uh, credits of the people, they're like, Gollum! They show his face. <laughs> Sunk it in with that eyeball that kind of had hanging out. Um, and his whole point is that he was pushed over in respect, like, to respond to, like, that, and, like, like he was saying, that he was no longer needed and mm-hmm. he was going to get back at her once he had escaped. Now, somebody on a website, I think Haphazard Stuff, who does really good in-depth James Bond reviews, check him out. I believe that's his website, haphazardstuff.com. And he does... 
great breakdowns. Is that the one where he synced together Daniel Craig and Pierce Bronson? Yes. That was very well done. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm pretty sure he's the one who, like, I think he did, like, a video about Skyfall once it came out, bringing this up, that Pierce Bronson was not... Didn't go quietly into the night when he was fired from oh, the James Bond he, role. Even um, if you ever watch, which I suggest everyone does, um, Everything or Nothing. The documentary, right? Documentary. Mm-hmm. They talk to Pierce Brown, which Grace documentary. This is like how documentaries should be. Yes. Uh, they do interview, interview Pierce Bronson, and he had a good chunk because they interviewed him when Timothy Dalton took over the role. And then they interviewed him when he got the role, and then when he got fired. Right. And when he got fired... Timothy Dalton took the role. Yes, I am James Bond. Sorry. I love <laughs> Timothy Dalton. Oh, Living Daylights and Lessons Killed. Fantastic. Yeah. It's another show, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's a totally another show. But yeah, I'm no. a slasher. I'm a slasher. <laughs> oh, prices. See you later. But yeah, no. Pierce Bronson was beyond pissed off, and he, yeah, just bashed the entire... Um, Eon? Yeah, Eon Productions. Which stands for everything or nothing. Yeah. And haphazard stuff brought up this point, like, Pierce Brosnan was was James Bond, fired, and did, like, some, like, kind of dickish things in the press to badmouth the productions. Silva was an MI6 agent abandoned by the company, and he plots his revenge against him. Why do you do this to me? I never put this together. This is not my idea. This, I'm ta- check out halfpassofstuff.com. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure he's the one who brought me up about it. Now I'm thinking about it, like, holy crap! That's why I, I get the more movie respect about that. Yeah. There, maybe it's a, a backhanded slap at Pierce when he doesn't realize it. Uh, when he's singing Mamma Mia to himself. When you're gone, how can I keep it gone? <laughs> this is the first movie I haven't shot that I wasn't blowing up or banging bitches in. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't be living here! So, having that in mind with this character does make him more interesting. And I think my favorite moment in the movie is like, once Bond and M have retreated to Bond's old house or estate, Skyfall, which we've been hinting at the entire movie, where we find out, we reiterate that his parents died in a climbing accident, that Bond hid himself in a secret passageway under the house, Scooby-Doo style, for a couple days, and he came out a different person. And so M and the groundskeeper take the, the passageway, get out of there, and head to an old church, which is nearby. Silva follows him in pursuit, and he comes through the archway of the, the doorway, and, like, how his jacket is and how he looks. He looks like no, Count Orlock of Nosferatu. And, like, the, just fits the, the shape of the door and just walks mm-hmm. in. And I was like, oh, that's creepy. Just, just yeah. the sight alone. Well, that whole scene was how he was at, I mean, Judy Dench was uh, shot at that point. Yes. And she was bleeding out. And just his action, how he was acting in the, that whole scene was... That he felt genuinely upset that she was hurt. But it was that very creepy. And you were sitting at your chair going, like, What's he going to do? You're like on edge going, how is this going to end? Because I don't like what era this is heading. Yeah. And like some people could say at this point that the main bad guy in Bond didn't have a fisticuffs ending. But that would have been a typical Bond ending. Yeah, this was... I The way this ended was beautiful. Being stabbed in the back by an agent of MI6. Boosh. <laughs> With no. like a like, goddamn Bowie knife too. It was like a large like hunting knife sticking out of the back of him. Um, no, my biggest quant, my biggest thing where I actually had to think about was 
how is Bond not dying of hyperthermia right now? And because in the scene before, he was running across like a pond or a lake, and that was frozen over. Frozen over, gets shot up, flips into to, into the water, kills a guy, and now he's stuck underneath the ice. And he frees himself with a flare. Yeah, and it's like you're in Scotland, probably in the middle of winter, so he's probably freezing out there to begin with. His, yeah, he ha- probably is. He, he could probably have used his balls to chill his martini. Yes. But also, we bought Bond being transformed into a Japanese farmer, played by a Scotsman. <gasps> Talk to me about that! <laughs> <laughs> what a word! Everything that happened to Roger Moore... Okay, silly. But Sean Connery being an uh, MI6 agent, being trained into a ninja... <laughs> that's just... Stupid. Beyond stupid! <laughs> Yet, we finally get to see Blofeld pretty much face-to-face for the first time with Don Plinus in that movie. Does it? Goodbye, Mr. Bond. Yeah, but they changed Blofeld's actor like 15 times. That's true. And he never recognizes Bond. <laughs> oh, it's... You! you. He does recognize him, but I love it in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. They just pretend like they don't know each other. Oh, hello, sir. Do I... Nope. I don't recognize you because your voice is dubbed, so I can't understand you. <laughs> and I love Art of Magic Service, but there are a few things that bother me in that movie. It's a lot that bothers me. The ending is the only thing that saves that movie for me. 20 minutes can be cut out okay, of Okay, this is not Skyfall review. This is just James Bond at this point. Well, no, no, no. It's still going to be Skyfall, but, like, uh, like you, you, we're talking about an entry in a series that's ongoing. There's going to be discussion about the other ones. Like, we have a Harry Potter podcast, podcast, I should say, coming up. So the books and movies are going to be talked about, even though the subject matter could be one of those at the time. Yes. So, let's move on. <laughs> let's get back to topic. Let's get back on track here. <laughs> Ray Fiennes, who goes on to becoming M after Judy Jensen's character dies in Bond's arms. Really, in a really nice way. Not a nice way, but like it wasn't like a like curdling, like, ah, 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 death. It was a nice, just passed away. And like Craig's performance in that world, he's holding her. Was really good. No, I, I'm glad they treated it with some weight and some respect. Yeah, it because wasn't like it wasn't like Bambi, where they immediately transitioned. <laughs> 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 happy, 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 happy. Yeah, like like most awkward transition between scenes. And then Bambi's got like <laughs> Bambi and Thumper. Um, Thumper, Thumper. I'm Bambi and I'm Thumper. <laughs> Just <laughs> uh, the animation podcast coming soon. God. <laughs> so Ray Fine's character who plays a friend, I forget his the character's name and what his official position is, but he's a a part of MI6. Gareth Malroy. Malroy. That's why he becomes M afterwards. And um and he goes on to like help re- represent M during her trial about the actions that happened in MI6. And um, he goes on to become M afterwards. I like the fact that he plays it like he's. It's not like he's like the deepest character in the world. He just does. No. He, sir, he does this great job with the character, the material he's written. That he's not afraid to pick up a gun at one point, and that he's willing to bend the rules to help Bond if need be. Yeah. Well, actually, um, there's a couple things about him becoming M. Yeah. Which I like. Uh, when they first introduced the character, he kind of came across as a dick and like, oh god. Yeah. 
Like, this guy's not, like, this guy's just going to be an ass and everything like that. But then you get to, as the movie progresses, it's all of a sudden, like, he's kind of cool. Yeah. I like this guy. And then, obviously, when you go into the giant office with, like, old school office where M was. With the, padded, like, with the like, leather padded door and everything oh my like God. that. So beautiful. Such a great tribute back to the older movies. Yeah. And it was just like, yes! Uh, and it's like, let's get to work. Yeah. I just wish I just wish the file that he hands by I wish it just said for your eyes only oh. I, I, I've been like oh. <laughs> and then the theme comes up and you're like mm-hmm. and everybody's clapping at that point it ends really strong yes. in movie. When I, I finally remembered how when I saw this movie I was yeah. up in college it was in the middle of a snowstorm my roommates and I plus one of my roommate's girlfriends right. were watching the movie and when the movie ends, she was like, he can't be M. M is supposed to be a woman. And, and Doctor Who can't be an old man either. But I was like, M was a man for 90% of the series. You know that, right? But M stands for mother. No, it does not. It was just for this movie. M stands, when it was first created, M stands for major. Yes. Q for quartermaster. Yeah. And, I mean, it was just an abbreviation. It's not like mom... Or anything like yeah, that. that no, was just no, she's this... going off of what um the the old movie with Uma Thurman in it's the Avengers. Oh, with Ray Fiennes and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. M is for mother. Yeah. And the, like no, M stands for major, but in this Daniel Craig's universe, it stands for their last name. Right. No one should ever fear being wet. <laughs> <laughs> Smile, return. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be a lovely move to watch. <laughs> I remember watching that as a kid. Even like, even then, it looked it looked cheap to me. I'm just like, what's wrong with this? <laughs> you did pick it up when they're all meeting a giant teddy bear outfit. <laughs> like Brazil. Now toys. I'm going to take off my head so you can identify me, but I still can't identify you. This is, Where's the logic? This is nearly the beginning. Keep the camera away from his crotch as much as possible, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, so speaking of Q, what do you think of the new Quartermaster of the Daniel Craig movies? Well, at first... Yes? I didn't know what to think about him. Okay. Um, obviously, having the old Q... Desmond Llewellyn. Yeah. And John Cleese was not. We John to... Cleese was okay. Yes, he did the best he could with what he was given. Yes, I mean you can't really sell an invisible car any better than. <laughs> I think you've been down here a bit too long, Q. Oh my god! Uh, until Batman v Superman comes out, they have one of them with the invisible plane. Maybe that'd be the only way to sell an invisible vehicle to an audience of the today. But uh, <laughs> Ben Wishaw who plays Q, he I think that was the best you. Best choice you could have. This young, geeky kid is just like, okay, he's like, yeah, I make cool shit. Yeah, and he's <laughs> definitely, to, they kind of bang the theme over your head with like, new is better, new is great, old is shite, and we should get rid of it. I try to find that in work, I apologize. Yeah, no, no, but yeah, they really were trying to drill that in because that was the theme of the movie where you, Bond is old. Yes, even though his career has only started a few years ago, if we want to count Casino, if you want to count Casino Royale, the first mission, and Skyfall before Doctor No, 
and all the rest of the movies now up to this, which I think is kind of silly because I think Daniel Craig's stuff is his own universe. I that's why I think Daniel Craig is especially his with own the universe. the events of Spectre kind of makes that well because other look where M came in in uh, Golden Eye. And look where M was in uh, in uh, Casino Royale. Right, two very different M's. Yes, which and, which makes it which makes this the distinction really tough. Yeah, no, she was, the old, she was the only link between old old universe and new universe. Yes, and because it sounded like she was there well from the Cold War. Yeah, she was in charge and all that stuff. And in Goldeneye. She's brand new. Yeah. And she's brand new. She was not in charge during the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Golden eye. Uh, da, da, da. Greatness. Golden eye. Golden. Golden eye. No, but I would classify um, the Daniel Craig's mo- movies as a different James Bond than yes. Sean Connery, Roger Moore. Uh, George Lazenby. George Lazenby. Timothy Dalton. Dalton Pierce Bronson. Pierce Bronson. Now, I was hung up on George Lazenby. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, Who, by the way, yeah, is a terrific voice actor. Yeah, especially in Batman Beyond. <laughs> in Batman Beyond, he was amazing. As, uh, what was he, he was the king. He was the, king of the, the uh, Royal Flush Gang. Oh my god, my favorite episodes in the Batman Beyond universe. Oh yeah, he was fantastic. I think I told you about that. You told me that he was playing king, and then that made those episodes even better. Yeah. I mean, I think he's made his career outside of James Bond with voice acting. He, I know he's acted since then, but I think that's where he made his money. I mean, was, Mark. I mean yeah, if, in case you don't know, George Lazenby never acted before James Bond, and he tricked everyone into thinking that he was an actor. I forget who called him out on it, though. I think it may have been the he, director. Well, no, he, in uh, every, uh, Everything or Nothing, that documentary, yeah. he said that he, he went up to the director before they started shooting. He's like, I'm going to be honest with you. I never acted before. And the director laughed at him and said, you just fooled the biggest names in Hollywood. You're an actor. actor yeah. And then the events of his public persona at the point of the release. Yeah. It, as well it, as getting bad advice. He was getting horrible advice. It was like being told like, yeah, they're controlling you. Like, it's not stylish to have no facial hair and like short hair, which that's what they wanted. So yeah. he decided to go to the premiere of... Our Majesty's Secret Service with long hair and, and beard. a beard. And they fired him the day after the premiere. Yeah. And he does admit that it's the biggest regret in his life. Because I feel like he deserved the second chance. But I, yes, I could totally see him in one more James Bond movie. I mean, we'll get on the Majesty. We're going to do an Our Majesty's Secret Service review. We'll so. just go down the entire list. What? Of James Bond movies. Well, no, 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 no. Well, yeah, because I, w- I want to give each movie its own, like, well, yeah, yeah. own attention, but, like, he didn't, like, this is hindsight talking, but the 60s were defined by three Bs. Beatles, Batman, 66 series, mm-hmm. and Bond. Yes, I agree with that. When it comes to pop culture. So, I understand it's late 60s. That's probably... 69. 69? I believe so. And, because, yeah, because Diamonds Are Forever is 71. It's roughly, it's roughly two years between each movie. So if it's 1969, they probably didn't... They obviously did not have the foresight to think that the movies would still be going on today. I mean, how could you? I mean, people probably, when they made the first X-Men, the 20th Century Fox is probably like, yeah, in, 20, in 16 years, we're going to still be making movies about these silly characters that dress up in leather and such. Yeah, right. But 
So, uh, so yeah, with, with Q being like a young kind of hipstery dude, uh, saying like, new is good and everything like that, the banter between Bond and Q is just, yeah, it's pure, that's pure Bond universe right there. What were you saying? Our Majesty's Secret Service came out in 1969. Good pull for that right there. Six, that was a six one. Yep. Um, so... Having that, even like going on back to my theory about like Eon, Eon kind of like beating down Pierce. Mm-hmm. What's it like? And I remember the final joke of that scene of when Q and Ed Bond meet, and he's like, "We're not going to have you going out with an exploding pet now, are you?" And he leaves. I'm like, "Ooh, you're taking it, <laughs> like, ooh, you're taking it, Goldeneye." Probably the one most tense scenes in that movie too. <laughs> but it was also that was so like overdone that whole exploding pen thing if you're like, really like if you want to count those clicks if you want to be that anal attentive about it it probably doesn't match up well, also even Mythbusters went into the whole exploding pen mythos yes it was like oh my god it was just one of those things that was like can, I mean it's cool but at the same time it's like that's kind of silly yeah but also haven't you stated before that Mythbusters have ruined movies for you so much and it, can you like can you, like, not turn your brain off when it comes to movies now? Those bullets are flying through the water. That's not possible. They would break on impact. They're dramatic power. They're saying, well, I don't care. But he's, like, ten feet underwater. Someone standing, like, at that angle, shooting down, would never touch him. It would just explode out. I don't care if the bullets were bouncing off the moon coming at him. I don't care as long as it's working for the dramatic purpose of the scene. I'll buy by it. The, by the way, Smithbusters is officially going out. On next, uh, starting in January, is their final season. Have they announced what they're going to be doing? No. Damn. It's got to be something big. They got to well, go they, out a big time. I mean, for me, what ruined the series is one, the beat team, which mm-hmm. they got rid of to try to save the series. Right. Which didn't work. And two, how over scripted it was. Okay. And three, just the fact that when they're, you're actually not seeing them build anything. Yeah. They stopped showing that and they stopped showing the arguments between Jamie and, um, Adam. Right. And like Which that, in the earlier seasons, that was the coolest part of them building it. And then also the 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 brainstorming between the two was just not there like, anymore. It that what that's what made the show. And then yeah. they just took that out, put the slapped the B team in, just made everything explode. And it's like, okay, do I really need a is there really a myth about using dynamite to tenderize beef? Seriously, that was an episode. Now, like, you're saying, like, the show lost its focus and lost the true purpose of it. Kind of like how Bond did for a little while. Hence Thank why you for tying this back oh, in. Oh, no, there's a, don't worry. I was like, oh, my, oh my God, I got to reel this back in somehow. <laughs> Quickly. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm losing line. I got to do something about it. <laughs> um, and so Bond goes on his mission after giving his uh, gear, which is pretty much a palm uh, uh, rider for his gun, mm-hmm. which is pretty much, it's a... It's a gadget from License to Kill when he has that one gun. It looks like it, too. And it has the little like little radio transmitter to go with it. Which, also, another thing with Honest Trail is made fun of. Smaller than the one he used in From Russia with Love. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the From Russia with Love one is big, is smaller than the one they used yes, in Skyfall. It, and it like, was only, like, it's about yeah, an inch. Yeah, like, it's supposed to be, like, like because, like, putting a shoe or something like that. Yeah. Like, oh, no, gadget. It's called Radio. I don't, I don't know why, like, really bad access. It's 1965, or something like that. Yeah, at that point, pretty much. But, so, something Bond go- like Google. Yeah, so, but this one character in there that's kind of caused 
she didn't cause controversy, but the the events that happened are kind of caused controversy. Uh, 63, the woman who is the contact, well, not like a person who works for Silva, and I forget the character's name. Uh, Severine? Severine. Who she admits to Bond that she's a former sex uh, slave and was in the sex trade against her will and stuff like that. And then Bond kind of is like, jumps in the shower with her and kind of raises kind of like moral and ethical questions. <laughs> he sneaks questions. onto the yacht, doesn't make his presence known until he appears naked in the shower with her. And she's like, oh, I'm totally down to bang. I'm like, oh, thank God she wasn't like keeping it, like waiting for one of the guards to join her instead. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, and like how do the guards react when they both come out of the shower later? Like, um. Okay. Like, like, Jim, did you see Bond come on? No. I don't, I don't remember him coming on either. It's, uh, I think we're really terrible at our jobs. If the boss doesn't realize, we're fine. I think the boss is going to realize a five foot nine Aryan that's on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> that making fun of Craig's looks or anything like that. He could kick both of her asses like that. Um, oh, yeah, heartbeat. Oh, yeah. So, <clears throat> meet Silva... Explains to him. And one other thing that I, I thought was a little interesting. Silva kind of hits on Bond. I thought he was gay at first. I think he is gay. I know. He, I mean, he's beyond eccentric. Yeah, I know. That, and not to say it, like, that there's like, oh, he's a bad guy. So, of course, he's a gay character. Not anything like that, that. But no, but it's like one of those things that like, like he's like very, sen- like very sensual, unbuttoning uh, Bond's like certain. There was a couple of moments where it's like, is he really hitting on Bond right now? Because if he was gay, this isn't the first time we've seen gay villains in the no, James Bond No, Diamonds are forever. Yeah, but, like, oh, well, we never saw the main villain as a gay person, and it's like he's hitting on Bond while he's tied into a chair. Yeah, and then, and it's just like, he makes a joke about new experiences, and Bond says, who says it's new? And then he's like, ooh. So then he raises more questions, like, has Bond had a gay relationship? Like, <laughs> Bond was involved in a honeypot. Oh. <laughs> Snowballing. <laughs> Hello, Putin. Let's get it on. <laughs> Where do you think that stain on Gorbachev's head came from? <laughs> it bombed into Kumblast right on my head. It was so hot and thick. It, it burned. burned. It burned into my forehead. It's kind of like that joke from Never Say Never Again. Like his his urine's acidic and kills one of those guards. His <laughs> even burned the insides of all the girls he sleeps with. That's why they never come back. In any of the movies, they just die from internal bleeding. And they're, they're... well, this is why there's not like a thousand baby bonds running around. Yeah, there. because they have an internal like uh, internal rot from his love juice. <laughs> My semen's pH count is much higher than the average man's. Or bleach. We <laughs> <laughs> oh, get so much hate for this, I don't care. <laughs> but, That's like something they would put into a Pierce Bronson movie. Yeah, put your back into it. <laughs> oh my god, he does, he says that to her. He I know, Ross the bike. Oh my god. <laughs> 
But also, like, that one scene, like, with uh, Halle Berry and that uh, sex, like, Halle Berry, like, orgasms. <laughs> now, he has not been with a woman in, like, 18 months. And I know uh, on another uh, commentary podcast, Duncan Casey, friends with Oliver Harper, he said during the Die Another, podcast, Die Another Day podcast, it's like, I'm surprised he didn't shoot across the room when he was done. <laughs> that was like, imagine how scary a movie played out. Like, having her, like, wire flew across the room to see Halle Berry do that. <laughs> because actually, that wasn't what I was really worried about. It's Pierce Bronson the next morning, butt ass naked, getting up to use binoculars to see what the hell's going on outside. He's standing there, and you're like, that's an old man being perfectly naked in the islands. Someone's gonna be like, Ew, what is he doing? Don't worry about it. <laughs> you like what you see? I like to keep my tip up. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh my god, there's so many points. I, 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 I got the point the first time. They don't have to keep beating over our heads or, or st- they stick it in and break it off with you with those jokes. So Skyfall. <laughs> <laughs> so the charts say... <laughs> If you're still listening, we applaud you. <laughs> yes, I'm going to be like, I'll, I'll probably be the one, the only one to make it through and listen to this back at, at work the following day. So, all the main characters being talked about. And, like, Serene, like, I just kind of feel bad that she was there just to deliver exposition and show how cruel Silva is. And she dies by his hands by, like, like Diana's contest, like, trying to shoot a shot glass off her head. And, and he, like, so doesn't even bother. He just shoots her in the head. Mm-hmm. And Bond has, like, the, the worst, like, line after. Like, it's, per- it's a waste of good scotch. Like, <laughs> he doesn't care that there's a bullet lodged into her brain right now. Actually, I disagree with you on that one. What? He was, he knows that his shot is bad. Yeah. So that's why he purposely missed. But then when he just, so he just, <laughs> I think it was just also the reality of just he, early holy shit. Right. So he say something like dark dark humor just so to like, kind of like I'm, try, I'm preventing myself from screaming right, right. now. So waste of good scotch. And then he pulls pretty much a Jason Bourne and takes out the four guards surrounding him. And that. then the stupidest moment of this whole movie. The helicopters fly in. Out of nowhere. No, they, they make no, no sound, no. and they play the James Bond mu- music. And at that point, I was saying, the movie over? <laughs> yeah, you pay, you pay 13 bucks for an hour and 10 minute James Bond movie. Like, you got to this point, if the movie's over, they had the villain. Yeah, I know. And then, and then you're like, he's in, then he's in the prison. You're like, oh. In the prison Hannibal Lecter style. <laughs> like, and he's just like, like, part of like, uh, Harvey Bardem's performance is a little hammy. But all Bond villains are hammy to an extent. I think because he was so eccentric. Yeah. I mean, now think of it this way. Roger Deakins, who photographed this, photographed No Country for Old Men, which Harvey Bardem mm-hmm. won the Best Supporting Actor for Anton Chigurh, which is a eccentric character, but very different, very, very cold, and very calculating. Yes. I wouldn't even say he was eccentric in that movie. Well, like, the few interactions that he has in, like, Especially the scene with him and Woody Harrelson, like, he's smiling during that conversation. You're just like, alright, maybe Cedric's not the right word to use. I would say it was, it was, uh, but yeah, cold and calculating and dark humored, maybe? Yeah. I mean, the whole lucky coin thing at the gas station. Just to mess with him? And then, then that keep one. that coin. It's lucky. Or maybe just don't worry with the other coins because that's it, what it is. Yeah, and like, everything is nothing. And if they, it pretty much has an existential debate with the owner of this gas station About over a quarter. Yeah, it was like... And that, that guy probably went home, like, afterwards as cha- a changed man. 
The only thing I have to say, just real quick, I know we're off track again. The thing that they used to... Uh, the cattle prod thing. Cattle prod thing. No, not the cattle prod, like the... It, the shoots a, it shoots a piston out to kill a cow. Yes. Wouldn't it fly out of your hand? No, because they use they it's use only that. a rod. It holds you holding on hand with like a rod, like a microphone, and then a giant piston has enough force to pop out through a cow's skull. Yeah, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. How strong is your grip on that thing? I, I think the mechanism probably pulls it in more rather than like it's probably like the force. It, it probably gives you a jolt. You have to hold on to it. Yeah, that, that, it, it could probably just fly out of your hand if you're not holding it properly. I've never killed a cow, so I can't really I, say. I never either did either, but that was my that was the only thought in that movie. Where it's like, wouldn't that just fly out of his hand? It, the only other problem people like brought up, like it's supposed to be 1980, using guns from the ni- late 1980s, and I'm like, that's a real technical thing. Only gunheads are gonna really notice that. Silencer for a shotgun too. I'll buy that. <laughs> it would it'd be useless after the first round. It'd probably be torn. <laughs> yeah, the silencer goes flying. It impales the victim. <laughs> now he's screaming because he's a piece of metal shrapnel. Ripping up his insides, kind of like how Bon Seaman is to all the women he slept with. <laughs> Mr. Bond, you make me feel so hollow on the inside now. What the hell is going on? She's like, melting like the <laughs> wicked witch. <laughs> what a world, what a world. Now, upon retrospect, now that you've seen it a few years have gone by, what are your feelings on the movie now? Okay, so my first knee-jerk reaction was it was like the second best Bond movie. It's in my top five. Okay. It's still, I would still think it's a really enjoyable Bond movie. It does a lot of things differently. Okay. Is it Daniel Craig's best movie? Daniel, the best Daniel Craig James Bond movie? No. Okay. Casino Royale is still by far the best James Bond uh, Best Daniel Craig James Bond movie. Okay. I mean, I would put it in my top five. Mm-hmm. I mean, From Russia With Love, Casino Royale, um, maybe number three at Skyfall. Um, but it's up there. Okay. And shameless plug-in, I did list all... But, but before you go any further, would you look upon that retrospect of that list, would you move things around? Yeah, just I that? would move... I, there will see some movement, but not not much movement. Okay, what's what's where can they find right. that? So go to dvr.com. I, I'm under DW Drawings. I do the worst two best James Bond movie. It's an extensive list of every single James Bond movie up to Skyfall, um, with the placement of each James Bond movie in my top twenty three, twenty four, twenty four, yeah, twenty three because Spectre I think was twenty four. Next one will be 25. Alright, so yeah, top 10 worst, three okays, and then top 10 best. Yeah. That's how it goes. Um, which I'll put the link in the description box below. Thank you. No problem. Um, upon retrospect, negative feelings aside, I still enjoy it. Like I said, if once you're watching the movie, even though I made the joke that it's like, so much like GoldenEye or Mission Impossible or Home Alone in the end, I still enjoy it. The action... Um, it's not, not the best action in the world. It's, it's, it's serviceable. But then again, that's like Sam Mendes' first action movie. Mm-hmm. Spectre, I think, has the action scenes I think he felt a little more, uh, better handled of. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was saying, I, I'm praising Roger Deakins' performance behind the camera, and I'm like, it was the first Bond to be shot digitally. Right. They've gone back to film for Spectre. 
Okay. And then and then not just film, they shot anamorphic widescreen, true widescreen Panavision. Um and it's just one of those things that I, I, I brought up, like, is this gonna be the last is this gonna be like no other Bond movie gonna be shot on a film? But now there's been so many people trying to resurrect it and keep it alive. I feel like Bond will stay the way stay the same way. I hope it does anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's but also production design is really good. I like the performances really stand out for me. Yes, the music is nothing really jumps out to me. It's like I'm not gonna put on the Skyfall soundtrack, like the actual score that Thomas Newton did. Uh, Newman did, and I'm not gonna listen to that in the background. All right, let's talk about Adele's theme song, Skyfall. Okay, yes. That is probably, it's probably the best opening so far that I know of. Or the of, Daniel all, Craig, of, of Daniel Craig. Of Daniel Craig's. It's in my top five scores. My top five themes. Yeah. and But it's also one of those, it's one of those theme songs that transcends the movie. Okay. Like. like it's like Live and Let Die. Or Nobody Does It Better Than You. Yeah. It's like one of those things that you can put on and it's an enjoyable song. Mm-hmm. Or. A View to a Kill. Like, Duran Duran's, like, dance into the yes, light. Like, yeah. that, like, like we named that. That's probably our, like, probably the, like, best Bond themes because they can, out of context, can still work. Mm-hmm. Some of them, like, like, Thunderball, you put that on. And he strikes. <laughs> like, like Thunderball. Thunderball. Pass out. <laughs> Even <laughs> Tom Jones was like, I have no idea what Thunderball is. Da-da. It's not unusual. Once that's over, what's new? What's new, pussycat? That's when the overworked person with a third coffee finally snaps. Yeah, same shit. They're slowly descending into madness here. No, but Adele's theme song is what well, it, it's very good, and the, the opening credits too. Oh, it's beautiful. beautiful. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. My favorite opening of all time mm-hmm. has to be Casino Royale. Uh, like, as in, like the the opening credits. Opening or? credits. Okay, because it's because it. But the theme music, which is I believe, is so horribly underrated. And, oh, it's it's Chris Cornell. You know my name. Or you know you will know my name, right? Okay. It mixed with everything being shot with just the um, the spade clubs, diamond hearts, like yeah. a deck of cards. Mm-hmm. Everything visually put together like that it is so cool. Oh yeah, and it gets you pumped for this movie. Versus Quantum of Solace, even though I like um, the Jack uh, White and Alicia Keys. Um, I, yeah, that's good. It's. But it's a very disjointed song. It's a very disjointed song, and the opening was kind of like it dragged. It just dragged. And it's like uh, another way to die. That's I think that's the name of the song. Another way to die. Yeah. And it's like one of those things. Like either you love it or hate it. Yeah. It's one of those songs. It's not like a lot of people can listen to say even Garbage's "World's Not Enough," which I really enjoy. I think she sounds like she's yawning. I'm not even allowed to hear that now. And the name of the band, somebody could probably sum up their feelings towards the song. Garbage. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I should end the episode there, with just that one joke. Um, so Adele's song, I remember, 
I was moving in, uh, I think, like, the semester after. No, it was the following year, because that came out over the summer between my first and second semester in Oswego. In 2013, fall 2013, I'm moving in, and some guy, like, two doors down, like, I just hear, I just like hear, this is the end, echo throughout, and I'm just like, I poke my head, I'm like, it's a James Bond song, and it's echo throughout the dorm, and I'm like, oh, that's a really good song, and it's, Adele's singing on it is fantastic, mm-hmm. and it just like it's. I mean, how many artists were there that done James Bond theme songs? They're only known for the theme. I don't know. I, like garbage that most people like band garbage. I think well, they do get a lot of like established singers and bands to do yeah. the opening. It's not like they've taken this like garage band and like having them do it or anything like that, but it's like um not like Doctor No. Oh. Oh. Who, Doctor who? No was just some Jamaican band that oh, yeah, just, three, just, blind, three blind mice and they brought in some homeless guy that had a guitar to do the damn bound paid him twenty bucks and he was on his on his way. Never got his name or anything. Kind of like um the guy who did the Nike swoosh, the guy who designed that logo, yeah. he was paid, like, what, 50 bucks? or Something eight? stupid. And didn't get his copyright or anything like that. Now look at it. He's probably die wearing Nike shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Final snips it. And after he's trying to, like, move, and like, keep him still. No, take these shoes off. I'm not dying with them on my No, no, no. Give me the Tita's a Reebok, not Maggie. Give me the, give me the Run DMC Reebok. Full Reebok suit. That's how I want to be buried in. <laughs> Right outside his hospice window is just a giant, just do it, uh, billboard. You Nike! Jumped out the window, Ivy's still connected. (laughs) Nurse, open my window for the last time. Sure. God damn it. (laughs) Is this better? (laughs) Just dies right past her. Um, So... (laughs) <laughs> back to the subject matter at hand oh, but that's I think like if we're entertaining enough I think all people will care if yeah. we have these tangents I, I find it to be enjoyable oh, I'm enjoying this a lot um I mean hell Mike and I were talking about like doing our own commentaries to bad uh, WWE pay-per-views and just us making fun of it it was just a laugh riot last night watching an old WCW uh, pay-per-view but so like, on retrospect, I love the song. I do enjoy the movie, despite its flaws and despite me taking the piss out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll, like, I know people are like, oh my god, it's the best one ever. It's, it's good, but I, don't, I still think the best movie, James Bond movie ever was from Russia with Love. It, I do consider that the best, but if it's like between that and License to Kill to put on, I'm putting on License to Kill. No, I agree with that. Yeah. But, yeah, one's just more espionage than the other. Yeah. Like, and true espionage. Cold War espionage is from Russia with Love. Yeah, like, like, like the first one's almost like a murder mystery, Dr. No. Yes. And it ends up being, like, a nuclear threat. Because that was, inter- that was an internal affair in that one. Because, like, oh, Strangway is our MI6 agent in, in uh, in, in uh, the Bahamas. Bahamas. Yeah, Bahamas. He, he's not responding. Bond. Go check it out. Go check it out. And he, he uncovers that plot. Yeah, he's dead. Why is he dead? I'll check into it. Bup, 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 bup. They're trying to blow up. Uh, trying to blow up some rockets. Somebody like somebody said like it's a Law and Order episode practically. Dun, 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 <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> well, I guess 
he should have quit while he was ahead. Need to go to the embassy. Embassy, 3 or 4 p.m. No, Bond, I'm not giving you jurisdiction. I need a warrant to go in there and search for the killer. I have probable cause. I think it's time to pay the doctor a visit. Doctor's office. Everything will be shot handheld. And there'll be there'll be other actors from The Sopranos to show up before they're famous. <laughs> um, yeah, then for much of love, it's an espionage movie. Goldfinger, it's a Bond movie. That's a Bond movie. And then they try and do a Bond movie again for Thunderball. To Thunderball is actually. I will. I'll put on Never Say Never Again more quicker than I put on Thunderball. <sighs> I know. I know. It's but it's. I enjoy the pace better. I know, I know, I probably ostracize this James Bond fan, but... You I, have Mr. Bean in, in, Never, in Never Say Never Again. And I might as well watch a slow motion fight underwater between the, like... It was 1964! Yeah, and they got the underwater photography was better. They had Kim Basinger dancing with Sean Connery, which is so awkward but hilarious at the same time. Really hurt? Yeah, that was that was, that was I'm, I'm pretty sure that's pre that's pre Batman Kim Basinger. She was banging Sean Connery. Yes, and, ah. then, and then she went for a man shorter than her for Batman. No wonder he hung himself upside down after he finished. <laughs> and he lets her into a Batcave, and I was his belfry. <laughs> Tell me, I was the the, pe- the best you ever had. Well, there was just one girl in Philadelphia. Science. <laughs> That has, honestly, Never Say Never Again has the most awkward sex scene ever. Yes. In the submarine, and it keeps going back more and forth. More. It's like... <laughs> more awkward than Smart Never Dies, where it's like, hey, that that ship is trying to rescue us. Let's have sex on the debris of the stealth ship. There's probably a, a jutted nail that's going to stick into us in the midst of our coitus. What else are you going to do when you uh, <laughs> uh, Get their attention, and then when I'm on the ship... Then, uh, but Bond is notorious for whenever they're lo- actually looking for him at the end of the movies to signal for help. He rather screws the girl. Yeah. I mean, Goldfinger. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm not done with you yet. Ah, ah, ah. I rapes her in that movie. <laughs> I'm dead serious. In the barn? Yeah. That, yeah. With Pushy Galore? Yeah, she's fighting him all the way until she's like, okay, fuck it. What was that family, guy, family guy joke? No. Yes. No. Yes. Okay. Fifteen no's and a yes <laughs> means yes. Um, and he gets spy love me. Just keeping the British hand up, sir. Or my favorite, like oh my end, end joke. Good night. Good night. Good night, sir. Click. Good night. Good night. Or better, yeah. Oh my god. What a, um. This has to say just the James Bond podcast. <laughs> Most awkward sex scenes in Javon. Um, Javon? In James Bond. In Javon? Uh, <laughs> Bond and... Uh, Mayday. Oh, that was awkward. <laughs> He's just randomly naked in her bed. And he kind of pays for it. Yes. Um, him and Christmas Jones. The, uh, the heat. I thought Christmas really came once a year. <laughs> no, how they're like looking. Oh, well, where's Bond? Oh, let's use this thermal imaging camera to find him. Oh, yeah. there's him. But where's Christmas Jones? It's getting redder. Oh, 007, <laughs> <laughs> Um, Or uh, in, even in Goldeneye. He was going to pull a Goldfinger on her. And, hey, Jimbo, you ready? <laughs> Got the Marines here. Helicopters come out of nowhere. It's like, you've never heard of them? <laughs> Yo, Marines. 
One thing in this mo- in the James Bond franchise, helicopters make no sound. No. <laughs> um. I'm thinking about it. Like, what other like big helicopter stunts are there? Yeah, I can see that. Kind of like the helicopter shows up. Tr- oh, like oh no, Bond gets into that helicopter for fewer eyes only. Or um. Yeah. I'm a little tied up. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> that was Smash. an intense scene. Oh, I love that scene. I love that in GoldenEye when he's trying to get it out of the stealth helicopter. The things we do for frequent flyer mouse. <laughs> anyway. Your Pierce Brosnan impression is horrific. I know. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm just going to keep doing it until somebody tells you to shut the fuck up. Um, so... People who are maybe not into James Bond, and they see this one on the top of the charts, like, okay, would you just recommend to see this movie at all? Yes. I would okay. recommend to see it. First Bond movie you ever see? No. Well, alright, what would you be your introduction Bond movie? Either, for me, it would be either Dr. No, From Russia With Love, or Casino Royale. Not Goldfinger? Maybe Goldfinger. Anything Sean Connery. Well, no. Let's put it. The most. No, I can't even say that. <laughs> the first three Sean Connery movies. I'm trying to think. What's the name? What's her name in uh, Down the Forever? Oh. I'm easy. Well, of course you are. Easy. No, 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 no. I'm plenty. Oh, plenty. Oh, well, of course you are. Of course you are. She practically is falling out of her dress. Plenty of tool. Named after your father. Nice, nice shot. Didn't know there was a pool down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so don't, this is not the first Bond to see, but definitely one, take into the fact that it's probably one of the best Bond movies. Yes. So don't be intimidated by it. See it before Spectre, because it does paint play into it. I know you haven't seen Spectre yet. Yeah, well, it probably helps. Would it help to see all the Daniel Craig movies before yes. Spectre? Yes. Because it does, each one does like to each other. Yes. So, anyway, I hi, highly recommend this movie. So check it out, everybody. Now, Dakota, if people want to follow you on social media, where can they go to follow you? Uh, I do have a Twitter. I don't use it too much. Yes. At least you're honest about that. Yeah. Uh, let me pull it up just to... Let, let you know what it, my Twitter handle yeah, is. In the meantime, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at Twitter at Timothy Rooney Two, and you can follow my YouTube page through the Lens Productions, where my latest short film, Halloween Reborn, which is a Halloween fan film, which came out this year's Halloween of 2015, mm-hmm. which Dakota helped me out with. Yes, it did. And um, and you can follow my my Facebook page of the same production name through the Lens Productions on Facebook. You'll find it. Now, what is your Twitter handle? It's at Dakota Wiegand. That's really, you know what? Riveting. I'm glad you remembered <laughs> that. I'm surprised. Uh, I'm surprised you, you couldn't recall that really. Uh, I, I've been to Mars before, but I do not recall it. <laughs> anyway. So. Or follow me on Instagram, dwiegand91, which I do post a lot of other stuff on. Or on DeviantArt at DW Drawings. Which you also do reviews your own, yeah, right? I do review. A lot of cartoon reviews, some movie reviews, uh, like James Bond series, uh, mainly cartoon reviews, which I go, I sacrifice my sanity to make a good review. My sacrifice! Oh, yeah. You, 
You try watching <laughs> Static Shock from episode no. one to the last episode. No, I just let yourself get yourself into the situation that I laugh at your pain and anguish as you, as you try to finish them like Sailor Moon. Oh my god, <laughs> don't remind me of Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon. Da, da, da. They changed her voice like six times in the first three seasons. It's so bad, they can't even keep a single voice actor for the person. Anyway, I hope you everybody's enjoyed this podcast about Skyfall, and we'll be talking to you soon. Hopefully about Harry Potter and many other things. Please don't keep me off this show for as long as he did. No, um, Mike and I were talking about our like this may get this may be a controversial podcast. The top five or top ten worst fans, Ooh. worst fan groups. So you have that to look forward to if that comes about. Okay. Hope, hope everybody enjoyed this, and we'll see you soon. Bye.